Welcome to the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Cooper, and we have a little something different for you this week. I hope you enjoy it, but as always, you can let me know. I hit a birthday this week, number 55. It's involved a little more reflection than usual. You see, my grandfather died somewhat suddenly at the age of 49. My grandparents on the other side were previously divorced from each other, and they got remarried back to each other in their mid-50s. My father-in-law, a great man who was not only a physician, but also incredibly healthy himself, was diagnosed with a brain tumor and died within the year at age 55. And my own dad, who certainly contributed some of the lessons I'll be sharing here today, did a U-turn in his own life at age 55, sparking a completely different vision for the second half of his time here on earth. I would love to be able to sit down with each of these four men today and, and soak in their wisdom. While you may not read about any of them in the history books, the life lessons they would share would no doubt be powerful. Thinking about their lives got me thinking, what lessons have I learned that might be helpful to others? So here they are, the seven keys to a meaningful life. Regardless of whether you're just entering your 20s or maneuvering your way through the 40s, maybe you're a decade or two ahead of me yourself. Now, while I've written out the seven main points so I somewhat stay on track, that's really the extent of my notes. I'm simply going to share some thoughts around each of these seven keys as if you and I were just sitting having a, a chat in an outdoor coffee shop in Old Town Fort Collins or, I don't, I don't know, sitting around a campfire up in the mountains. There will likely be a rabbit trail or two along the way. But in the end, in the end, I hope your life will be a little bit better for this time together. I've got plenty to learn myself. Plenty. So these certainly are not intended to be the answers by any stretch. By the way, you can always reach out to us with any feedback, questions about the next MBHWC approved health and wellness coaching certification, or even the Rocky Mountain Coaching Retreat and Symposium that's coming up this fall in Estes Park, Colorado. The email is results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com or visit the new website anytime. It's catalystcoachinginstitute.com. So with that, if you're ready, let's give this a go. Here are my seven keys to a meaningful life. I'm hoping there's a nugget or two in there for something you're facing either today or will be in the near future. Number one, dots. More creating, less connecting. Folks, <laughs> I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I have this tendency to try to connect all the dots before I create them. So, so I'm like, well, boy, I, I need to figure out how are these dots connect, and then I'll decide if I'm going to pursue this. And what I've learned, one of the big lessons in my life is the value is in creating more dots. We can't connect something that doesn't exist. We can't, we're not going to know how the dots are connected beforehand. We just need more dots. Just get more dots on the page and then we'll see how they connect. We've got to take some chances, go out there and, and, and take some risk and, and give it a shot and, and you'll find how those dots connect. It'll make sense but often not before, but rather afterward. The, the opportunities for us to learn and grow, they're not just available. There are unbelievable, awesome opportunities at any age. You, you, many of you know my story. I went back for a PhD at age 50. That, that was an exciting dot that I did not know exactly what it was going to lead to. And I probably still don't know the full picture of that, but it was a cool dot a valuable dot, something that created a lot of other dots along the way. We're looking for that opportunity to create 
dots instead of trying to always know exactly how they connect before we'll create anymore. Folks, growth begets growth. When you start growing in one area of your life, it grows other areas. Like if you, you've seen this, you start exercising, you naturally start eating better. You naturally enhance your relationships. You naturally pursue better sleep. Growth begets growth. When you start reading valuable books, instead of just binging on Netflix, you start asking better questions. You start doing more things. You start exploring more. You start engaging with other people. Growth begets growth. We, the more dots we create, the more dots that get created. It's a really cool process. And I'm getting kind of excited for only being on the first one here, huh? All right, well, let, let's shift over to number two. And number two is tune in without tuning out. Now, the, the, the idea of this is acknowledging the external factors, the external things that are pushing against you in terms of your progress without, really important, without taking on the victim mindset. You know what I'm talking about here. And it's so easy to do. It's so natural. And it's almost encouraged now. So I, I love to run. So if I'm out running, uh, I might be, you know, run, run along this path. And I look at my watch and I'm like, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not moving very fast. And then I tune in the externals and I go, oh, well, I'm running up a hill right now. Or, or by the same token, I might be feeling like, man, I'm cruising. And I'm not even feeling like my heart rate that, is that high. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of, man, I'm really getting fit. And then I, I kind of tune in oh, you're running slightly downhill, or oh, you've got this nice tailwind behind you. It's, it's tuning into those externals. You can still celebrate. You can still acknowledge the fact that there are things pushing against you. You have, you have barriers in your life. We all do. Some of us more than others. I get that. But the idea is tune into those. Realize those are there. Create ways to adapt to those or address those but don't go to the victim mindset. Don't, don't shift to, oh, I'm a failure, or oh, no one likes me, or oh, I'll never be able to accomplish this or that. Stop. Tune in without tuning out. Also, there, it's interesting, you, you might be running uphill in one area of your life while you're running downhill in another one. And, and when I say uphill, that's with the extra resistance. Downhill is when you're kind of on cruise control and you're like, hey, this is easy. So, I don't know, in, in your 20s, you may be running a little more uphill financially, but you've got a little more free time. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you've got a more flexible schedule. Maybe you're not married at this time. So, you've, you're facing more pressures in one area, but less pressures in another. Can, can you figure out a way to use those and balance those back and forth? That, that might flip in your 50s. You might have you know a, a little bit more financial opportunities, but your, your time is more restricted based on family commitments and work commitments and those kinds of things. So maybe think about as you do this tune in without tuning out, look at, okay, I do have limited finances right now, but what do I have? Where are my opportunities or, or, you know, whatever your thing is. And then dress for the weather, Tune into the weather. Acknowledge it's going to rain today. It, it could be windy. It might be cold. It's much better. And when I say weather, I don't really mean the weather, folks. I think you get that, but I just want to say that out loud. What's the weather going to be going into that meeting? What's, what are you going to face over the next decade financially? What commitments do you have with family or, or kids or, or your own goals, pursuits, et cetera, et cetera? How can you prepare for those things? You know, when, you, when you're out running, it's easy to remove a hat. But if it's too cold and you didn't bring it, 
you're stuck. Over-preparing can be incredibly valuable, and that, that applies not just to running, for goodness sakes. That's true for education, finances, your network. You may not need all of those things, but it's better to have them. It's better to have that hat. Now, you're not going to take that stocking cap when it's 60 out. You're going to be plenty warm, but you know, if it's in that 40, 35 range, yeah, I think I'll bring it. It might warm up, but at least I'll have it. How can you apply that to whatever you're facing now? So number two is to tune in without tuning out, acknowledging the externals without falling into that victim mindset. Key number three is to differentiate between goals and resources. And I'll tell you, I mean, most of these lessons are things I've learned by screwing it up. So I am not speaking as the expert here. I'm speaking as the, oh my gosh, I've done this for so long. It's so easy to confuse a goal and a resource. Money is an obvious one. Is money a goal or is it a resource to help you achieve your goals? There's a big difference. If it's a goal, then you sacrifice everything at the altar of money. If it's a resource, you see it as one of many resources to reach the goals that you're looking for, but it's in the perspective of how does this goal fit into everything else? Efficiency, time management, if you will, or use of time. That's one that I absolutely raise my hand and say, wow, I completely mistaken those my whole life. So focused on making good use of every moment that that became the goal. Folks, efficiency or time management or good use of time, whatever you want to call it, that's it's not a goal. That's a resource. It's a valuable resource. It allows you to do much more with your life. It allows you to accomplish much more. But but do you see the difference? It's 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 not that goal. When I was thinking through these these different things I was gonna go through today and, and trying to come up with, you know, a handful of them that I could share with you, I I took a little digital recorder that I use when I go out for long runs and I'm thinking about stuff. And just when I thought of something, I just hit record and boom, that's awesome time management. But I don't do that when I'm out for a temple run. I don't do that when I'm out for a speed workout. I certainly wouldn't use that in a race. You're not like, Hey, I'm doing a half marathon and I'm going to think about how to do this talk. No. See that, that would be making time management. The goal, the goal is to become a better runner in this example. So how can you combine those most effectively? Is there something in your life that you're making that, that's a resource that you've shifted? And instead of seeing it as a resource, you're seeing it as a goal? Because there's a big difference. All right, key number four, easier to stay in shape than to get in shape. Now, obviously, you're thinking fitness when I say that. And it absolutely applies to fitness. I've had a lot of injuries in the last few years. It would be much easier for me to just like lay on the couch and say, the heck with it. I'm just going to lay low until these things heal up and then I'll, I'll start again. It's really hard to start again. It's really hard. And then you start so slowly and it takes forever to get back to where you want to be. If you can just maintain half of it, I mean, we're not even talking training. We're just talking a little activity, exercise. So for me, it's maybe jump on the bike. I can't run, so let's jump on the bike. Or let's get in the pool and, and swim a little bit. We'll keep some of the cardio. We'll keep the weight in a, a good general range. Do some strength training. Make sure the muscles are, are reacting uh, the way we want them to. And then when we get back to running, we'll be starting over with some of those things, but not all of them. We'll be 
50% there. And it's much easier to jump on that 50%. When, when you say, hey, yeah, let's see if we can increase 10% a week, 10% of, you know, every other week, 10% on a, a 50 out of 100 comes up a lot faster than 10% of two. Like, do the math. Now, I'm not actually talking about fitness. I mean, I am. It applies there. But I'm talking about any area of your life. Financially. It's so easy to just, you know, just kind of give up for a couple of years and rack up some debt in whatever area. And then it's so hard to dig yourself out of that. Whereas if you think that through and you say, wait, wait, let, let me, let me try to stay out of debt or let me try to at least minimize debt. So not, it's not always possible to stay out of debt, but let's minimize it because then when I'm in a role where I can start making more money, I'll, I'll recover a lot faster. I'll get back in shape financially in this case a lot faster. Education. You see this all the time. You start off and you, you like blow the first semester or two and then you're playing catch up for the rest of your life. It's easier to stay in shape than to get in shape. It applies to any of these areas. Next one, within this, this fourth one of easier to stay in shape than get in shape, don't underestimate yourself and, and what you could achieve if you gave it your all and chose to show up day after day after day, we're a composite and reflection of those habits. So as we're doing that, don't underestimate what that small incremental effort can make, even though, even though we're not fully training, we're not all in, that staying in shape piece, the idea of, you know what, just doing a little bit, don't underestimate the impact of that. It's very it's very, very powerful. And then the other side of that is the compounding effect. You know, the, the, if you can stay at a certain level over a decade, two decades, three decades, whether that's financially, whether that's fitness and health, those things all compound. And so the, the, the choices that we're making in our 20s and 30s and 40s have a huge, immense impact on what our payoff is in our 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond. So just give yourself a chance. One, one of the things I love saying to myself when I'm out, and you're going to hear a lot of running examples just because I just started running again and I'm super excited. But say I'm out doing a 10 miler and I want to hold a certain pace. Well, my mantra early on is just give yourself a chance. Meaning don't drop off so far. You know, I'm, I may not be able to quite hold that pace, but stay in the neighborhood. Because if I stay in the neighborhood, then maybe on a downhill spurt or maybe if a buddy comes up behind me and, and pushes me a little bit, then I can pick up a little bit and finish strong. But if I let up early, if I start off that first couple miles too slowly, then I don't give myself a chance. And I'm saying that in your life. Give yourself a chance. If you're just starting college right now, give yourself a chance. Go all in that first semester or two. And then you've got a chance. Then you can decide. You're not having your, your hand forced. You're not being told, well, you, can't, you don't qualify for this degree. You don't qualify for that degree because your grades are so poor. You choose then or in your career. When you go, go all in early on because that opens up the doors for future. You may choose not to do some of those future things, but you have the choice to because you were in shape. You didn't let things drop off that first three months of work, six months of work, first semester of school, whatever it might be. The examples are endless. But give yourself a chance. Put yourself in a position to surprise yourself in a positive way. So that's, that's key number four. Key number five, 
Wow, we're already over halfway. Key number five is attitudes and choices. Folks, they're two-way streets. They go together. Like they're just running parallel. I love to talk about the difference between got to and get to. One tunes into the choice piece. It tunes into the importance of attitude. The other one is just almost like we go back to our, our second key of the victim mindset. Or like, ah, I've got to do this. You hear it all the time in things that should be hobbies. You know, in, in the endurance world, I have buddies all the time. You know, I hang out with all the strange people, the ultra runners, the marathoners, the ultra cyclists, the triathletes, et cetera. And, and I've said this, so I'm pointing at myself here too, but a lot of my friends, it just cracks me up. They're like, yeah, I got to do my long run on Sunday. Yeah, got to get out for that five-hour ride on Saturday. What? Folks, let me just remind you, this is our hobby. Like no one's paying us. No one cares except you. You don't got to do this stuff. In fact, most of the, there are some things that we've got to do. Granted, they're, they're, we don't have a choice. We've got to get it done. But a lot of the things that we're whining about, a lot of the things that we're saying that with, it's not true. And sometimes analyzing that, and we're going to come back to this in number seven, sometimes analyzing that helps us say, wait a minute, I don't got to do a long run. In fact, I am kind of feeling like it's not something I want to do anymore. Why am I doing it? Oh, yeah. It's my hobby, and I don't enjoy it anymore. What am I doing? It's ridiculous. Second one under this is the waiting piece. We, we all get stuck in this. this it's, it's just like this waiting period, and, and, and you know what I'm talking about. We all face this. We all, we all have our stuff, and we're forced to wait. Now, our attitude is our choice in the midst of that waiting. The attitude can drive other opportunities or it can weigh us down in the midst of that waiting. And I guess that's maybe something we should talk about is, is it waiting, like being weighed down or is it waiting, anticipating that next opportunity? When we're waiting, we can be looking around for those opportunities. We can be seeking out, wow, okay, so I don't have as much time to do this. So where could I invest that time in the meantime? You see the difference? And again, I'm the first one to tell you, I struggle with this one. But wow, incredibly powerful. The next piece of this attitudes choices thing is, is serving others without martyrdom. Serving others, that's an important piece of health and wellness. It's an important piece of life. I, I hope that all of us are looking for opportunities to serve those around us, to serve our community, to serve the people that, that we're in community with. But I want to encourage you to ponder your style. When you volunteer for that service opportunity, when you step forward for that service opportunity, we all, just like with career pursuits or, or anything else, we all have our, we all have our thing. Like we all have our stuff that we're good at, the stuff that we we're natural with that, that really fits us. And then there's the stuff that, you know, it's the old, what is it? Square peg in a round hole or vice versa, where it's just like, we could do it, but, but it's not comfortable. It's not. We just, we're not enjoying it. And, and I think that happens far too often in our service opportunities. A, a quick example. So two extremes of this, uh, when it comes to service, sometimes the opportunity is, you know, you show up every Tuesday night to help with XYZ at 6 p.m., you know, 6 to 8, and you're going to do XYZ. That's kind of one end of the spectrum style. The other one is more of a, a build up to an event. You're, you're, you're helping coordinate something that's, it's a, a kind of a one-time star on the calendar, and then you're, you stop for a little while. So 
One is this almost like consistent over time, just a, you know, a little bit. The other one's like this crescendo and it's a lot of time and energy and then it's nothing for a little while. Most likely, as I'm describing those, you're saying, yeah, yeah, I'm more the first one. I like that first one better. Or no, I don't really like the first one. I like the second one. For me, I like the second one better. If I step into one that's more the first, I can do that, certainly. And if I feel called to do that, that's, that's fine or for a season of life. But what I'm saying is, if you can pursue those service opportunities that fit you, I get energized by the second one. It's easy for me to fall in that martyrdom with the first one. And vice versa. I, I know people that are like, oh my gosh, I'd never want to do that number two. That would just drive me crazy. Okay, cool. Then don't. Don't. The, the last thing I want to mention about this attitudes and choices, being a two-way street, is it, the attitude drives the outcome in so many situations. When we have an attitude of expectancy, it's amazing how many people will open doors, point us to the open window, come alongside us, put their arm around us and say, let me give you a hand with that. I mentioned my PhD earlier. Well, I was super fortunate, but here's the quick story on it. I had narrowed down about four or five universities that, were, that fit what I was looking for. And one night I'm reading A Runner's World and I read about Dr. Andrew Jones that was involved with the two-hour marathon project. And he was quoted in the article and said he's from the University of Exeter. And I'm like, wait, what? That, that's one of my schools. So I reach out to him. I, I thought, you know what? This guy's super busy. He's in the midst of this two-hour marathon project with Kipchoge. And, but there's hope. There's potential. So I, I, I sent this email to him. He responds almost right away. Tells me, you know, he a little bit about school. And he said, you know, I'm not your guy, but this this other person is who also happened to be a, a Dr. Jones, Dr. Martin Jones, uh, reached out to Dr. Jones and, and Dr. Jones said, yeah, he, he basically was willing to adopt me as his much older child for a period of several years. And then he brought out Dr. Mark Wilson on board. And so this whole journey started because, well, because I said, you know what, what the heck, let's just email this guy. Let's just see what happens. He may not respond, but what do I lose? 20 minutes to write an email. Same thing with our podcast guests. I'm, I'm just stunned. We've been so fortunate. I mean, people like Dr. Kelly McGonigal, David Epstein, Tom Peters, Wendy Wood. I mean, it's just an amazing list of people who are kind enough to say, yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. Every time I send one of those, the Prochaskas, our 100th episode, and they said, yes. And I, Susanna will tell you how excited I was the day that, that they said, yeah, we'll, we'll do that 100th episode. That'd be fun. I was just over the moon. But attitude drove that choice. I don't make that choice without that expecting attitude. All right, number six. We're getting close here. Focus on the opportunity to grow old instead of get old. And this is true for our relationships, exercise, learning. Doesn't matter. Continually ask yourself, am I growing old or am I getting old? Folks, reinvention is always available and it's necessary. The grass is not always, I love the statement, the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. You know, that's the old saying, grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. No, it's greener where we water it. Now, I love that phrase in the context of marriage. I, I, I'm, I'm crazy about my wife and, you know, we've, we, have to ma- we have to water our, our marriage or it's not going to thrive. But it applies to everything. Your career, your hobbies, your education, your finances, your friendships, your fitness. 
The grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. It's greener where we water it. That's such a key area. And if we want to grow old versus get old, we've got to water those things that are of, of value to us. Now, within that, I want you to think about the pause button versus the stop button. I think too often we feel like we either need to push play or stop. You got two options, play, stop. But do we? That pause button's there for a reason. And I don't just mean on your iPhone. I mean in your life. The pause button allows you, and it, it actually leads into number seven here, so it's good timing. But the pause button allows you to, to sit back and say, okay, hang on just a second. Am I doing this for the right reasons? Is this a good choice as I move forward? Or once we hit the pause, you can always hit stop after that. That's fine. Or maybe we hit play again. But the pause button allows us to not just throw everything out. It, it keeps that door open for the future if we want it while providing space for some other opportunity in the meantime. Last two things I want to say about this one. I've told our kids, and in fact, we did a video on the YouTube coaching channel on this not too long ago, actually, a couple weeks ago, about the five people you spend the most time with. That's who you're going to become. Like the data is very clear. You pick, a, you pick a category of life. The people you're spending the most time with, and when I say people, that can be authors, it can be podcasts, it can be classmates, it can be friends, it can be family members, the five influencers in your life. You become those five people. So, so anyway, I've been saying that for since our kids were born, maybe before. But recently, I'm tuning into the value of people six through 15. And I'm making up those numbers, but basically the others that you're close to. It may not be your core five. You become the five people you spend the most time with, but you grow as a result of people six through 15. If they are simply mere images of one through five or you, we're not growing. We're static. We're remaining constant. We need people that challenge us, people that disagree with us. And not in a mean way, not in a cruel way, not in a jerk way, in a respectful, let's have a conversation. In a respectful that's really interesting. I completely disagree with you, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. You know, what's the evidence that you've looked at that's caused you to think that way? I'm really curious if you're truly, really curious. So we become the five people we spend the most time with, but we grow as a result of the six through 15 that we also interact with. And then the last comment on this in terms of growing old versus getting old, folks, put dogmatism to the side in whatever your thing is. For the first 50 years, maybe plus of my life, I saw everything black and white, binary thinking, completely binary. But we don't know. There's so little that we absolutely positively know. We have a leap of faith of some sort in almost every single thing that we talk about that we spout out as, well, this is definitely true. Is it though? We know very little for absolute certain. It's the whole idea the scientific method is to keep pushing back and say, okay, here's, the, here's what we currently know. Now, let's, let's knock into that a little bit and, and see where we're wrong on that. And that's a cool way to live. Okay, I, I, here's where I've landed in whatever topic it is. Now, let me keep investigating to see where I'm wrong. What a cool way to live your life. You know what? I know I'm wrong in a lot of these things, but I need people or things or books or whatever to, to help me go that route. So I, I want to encourage you with this uh, focusing on growing versus getting old, growing old versus getting old, growing, growing old, not getting old, to focus on contemplative thinking instead of binary thinking. Contemplative thinking is, is what we've been talking about here the last few seconds. I wonder what there is 
out there. I wonder what I could learn. I wonder who could push against me and, and you know, help me kind of sharpen up what I'm thinking on this or, or, or maybe nudge me in a different direction that I hadn't thought about before. But we need those six through 15 to balance out the one through five. And that brings us to key number seven. Life's turbocharge might just be quiet reflection. We truly do have a life budget. It's a reality. If, if we choose one thing, even if it's a good thing, it means not choosing to do something else. And this applies to every, every single aspect of our lives. Fitness, work, friendships, food, free time. It doesn't matter, like everything. And it's, it's really the bad choices that throw us off. Those are kind of obvious. It's the less optimal stuff. It, it's, the, it's the sixes and sevens on a 10-point scale that are crowding out the potential for more nines and tens. Is your life being built on nines and tens? Or are you settling for the six and sevens? That's where the quiet reflection comes in. And you don't need to go to a mountaintop and hum. Just a few minutes, sometime in your day. I prefer mornings, but other people different times. To sit and think, okay, how did I spend my day today? Is that the best way to spend it? What's tomorrow look like? How can I dial that in a little bit more effectively? As you go through your, your daily routine, your schedule, your, your choices that you make, again, there are some things that we just must do. But among those things that we've chosen, are they sixes and sevens or are they nines and tens? Are, are the choices we're making about the sixes and sevens crowding out the opportunity that if we were to reflect, we could create more nines and tens? Next thing I want to mention here is the, the joy meter. We did a, a video last year at youtube.com slash coaching channel where we talked about smiles per day, that it might just be the single best way to measure health and wellness is smiles per day. And we got some pretty, pretty interesting feedback on that. And I'll, I'll try to remember to include a link to that if you want to check it out. But with that in mind, smiles per day, maybe another way to look at it is your joy meter. Are, are you tuning, as you reflect on your day, either morning or night or, or whenever, whenever you do that, are you thinking, okay, how did the joy meter look today? You know, you look at your, your fuel gauge in your car and, and you know, okay, I, I, here's where it is. Or, or you see the temperature gauge in your, your oven and you say, okay, that, that's where it is. Do we do that with our, our joy? Are we reflecting on how we're spending our time and, and if there are ways that we can tap into more of that? We're recording this in 2021, hopefully toward the end of the, the pandemic lockdowns. And one of the things that I've realized is the incredible value to me. This is not a value judgment on these things. Maybe these don't matter to you at all. But to me, the incredible value on events, concerts and sporting events. And it, from a rational perspective, it would be very, very easy for you to lean in and say, really, Brad, you spend that kind of money going to a Nuggets game or a Zach Brown concert or whatever it might be. Had you asked me this 10 years ago, I would have been like, no, no, I just, it, it, I just didn't want it. It was too much. I, it didn't make sense. And I'm realizing sometimes a rational decision is not the best decision. Now, I'm, I'm saying that now. Let me take a step back just for a second. Be aware of you. If you're somebody that is constantly making emotional decisions and you look back and you go, oh, no, I did it again. Well, then, then you need to lean in on the rational thing a little more. But if you're somebody more like me that it's like, oh, if it doesn't make logical sense, if it's not rational, then I'm, I'm not going to do it. Then maybe, maybe you need to take the opposite approach and say, you know what? Sometimes I'm going off emotion. Some things 
should not be decided based on rationality. Two quick examples, both events. Uh, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, our son has always enjoyed the Denver Nuggets. I, I've, I've liked him, but the real reason I love those games is because it gives me a connection with him. We're both kind of quiet. We text each other about the Nuggets games, even if we don't text about anything else in life. It's that connection. And that, to me, is worth whatever it costs to occasionally go to those games. Because it's, it's not the game. It's not the Nuggets. Nuggets, I could care less about the Nuggets. It's a relationship with a young man that's incredibly important to me. Similarly with our, our daughters, Ashley and Danielle, we took everybody to a concert uh, a couple of years ago before the whole pandemic thing out at Coors Field, uh, Zach Brown Band. It was awesome. But the concert itself, no, the music isn't as good. You don't hear as well. Yes, it sounds better on Spotify. That's not the point. That's not the point. We sat there in the nosebleeds. The sound wasn't even all that great. But the eight of us, our, our, our kids, their spouses, at the time, future spouses, we were together. And even now, when that song comes on, that at the concert, it was dark, everyone had their phones out, lit up, kind of waving back and forth. I feel like I'm there with our girls. Smiles on our faces. That connection. The cost of eight of us going to a concert like that is frankly ridiculous and worth every single penny. So we can't take that stuff at face value all the time. Those kind of events can be a conduit for the things that really matter. So if you lean in on the rational side, the logical side, tune into the value of the other side. And by the same token, if you lean in on the emotional side, maybe it's time to take a step back and say, I need to be a little more rational with this stuff. Thanks for joining me for this one. If you found it valuable, let us know. We do listen very carefully. We watch the trends. When, when people are doing more reviews after a certain podcast, we, we see that. When you share it with more people, we see that. When, when there's more downloads, we see that. And that's what we use to drive our planning in terms of topics, formats, etc. So we are absolutely listening and we appreciate it. On the coaching side, whether you're considering a future career as a health and wellness coach or you have some questions about how to proceed or maybe you're already a coach and you're looking to enhance your skills or your coaching business we're psyched that you're part of the catalyst community and we're we're absolutely here for you a lot of other resources at catalystcoachinginstitute.com if that's your thing or reach out to us anytime results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com now it's time as you know to be a catalyst making a positive difference in the world without burning ourselves out in the process This is Dr. Bradford Cooper, the Catalyst Coaching Institute, signing out. I will speak with you soon on another episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast, or maybe over on the YouTube Coaching Channel at youtube.com slash coaching channel.